Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Now, as a born and raised Montrealer, I'm supposed to have a deeply ingrained hatred for Toronto, but I'd like to believe that we as a society have evolved past city-based rivalries at this point, so I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love the Six. It's one of my favorite cities to visit, it's home to a lot of people I love, and most importantly for the context of this show anyway, it is a fantastic food city. It's densely populated, home to a wide scope of immigrant communities, and it has an increasingly prevalent culture of restaurants using locally sourced farm-to-table ingredients. Ontario has a really rich agricultural sector with tons of pork and poultry and dairy farms, tons of cannabis farms also, and more produce than I could possibly list in one episode's preamble. So I was super excited when today's guest reached out to me to tell me all about his work in the Toronto food scene. Let's get into it. Joining me today on the show is Toronto-based chef Michael Angeloni, partner at Open Concept Hospitality and executive chef at all five of their restaurants. He's also a consulting chef for Chef Drop, a premium meal kit delivery service. Chef Michael, thanks so much for joining me on No Bad Food. Thank you for having me. So I always like to give my guests a chance to talk a little at the top of the show about their food life experience. Uh, so, you know, obviously you are based in Toronto. Uh, you are doing a whole lot of cooking now, but how did that all start for you? What, tell me a little about yourself, like as a kid, about the food that you grew up eating, how that's kind of changed or hasn't changed over time. Paint us a broad picture. Cool. Yeah. Um so basically, growing up, uh, you know, my my parents are both uh, immigrants to Canada. Um, so I'm first generation Canadian. Uh, my mother came from uh, Poland, and my mom, uh, my father from uh, Italy. So growing up, uh, you know, obviously the Italian side, uh, pretty rich uh, food history there. And you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up making pasta and uh, all of those kind of things. Um, so that was at a really young age. And then my mom uh, on the Polish side is a really great cook. Uh, and, you know, Polish food's not one of those ones that's celebrated as much as you know, I would say Italian or Spanish or French, but, uh, you know, some really great, uh, great food there as well. So, yeah, I just always grew up around having great food and always being in the kitchen or somebody was always cooking. So I guess that kind of always sparked it for me growing up. Uh, and then moving on, you know, when I got to high school, I wasn't the best student, you know, and I was kind of trying to find my way. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a history teacher or something like that. <laughs> you know, I, I had no plan. Uh, and then kind of the end of high school, I got uh, a, a guidance counselor, talk to me about um, a program that could get you into a skilled trade and get you out of high school and get you some credits. And so then you had to pick a trade and I, you know, there was like roofing or plumbing or whatever. Uh, and culinary was just one of them. And I said, you know what, let's, uh, why don't I give that a shot? And uh, I got placed at a restaurant and kind of the rest is history. 
That's amazing. So I also in high school kind of had that moment of like, oh, maybe I'll teach history one day. And then uh, (laughs) uh, I didn't go into culinary school because I did a student for a day program at a culinary school when I was in like the 10th grade. And uh, a classmate of mine cut her finger like she was there doing it too and sliced her finger and fainted. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be around this kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) The irony is I now work in food service, but yeah, you know. <laughs> oh man, that's wild. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned the whole like you know Polish food not getting the same kind of accolades, I guess, as Italian food because like I, it, yeah. it's true, right? Like there is sort of that corner of Europe, the the sort of I guess Western corner of Europe is very like heavily featured in the food world, but like Eastern yeah, European food so. rules, like there is there's oh, a lot amazing. of really good stuff there. Totally, yeah. It, you know, I think it's starting to come around nowadays. There's a lot of chefs that are like kind of embracing their heritage a little bit and trying to bring that to a North American market. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see it popping up a, a bit more and, you know, which is exciting. I, I think it's amazing food and people just think it's, you know, pierogies and boiled potatoes. Um, but there's so much more to it. And, uh, you know, all the fermentation and like, you know, people are so crazy into like pickles and fermentation and all that kind of stuff nowadays. And, when you go to Eastern Europe, that's a lot of that food, right? Is, you know, that, that, that idea that, you know, things only grow for a few months in that part of the world. And, you know, how do we preserve it and how do we pack it up for the, for the long winters and these things. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool and really interesting. And hopefully it uh, gets a little bit more love moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's it. it. Like, so I have um, my most of my family are like Hungarian and Austrian. So like a very sort of similar kind of corner yeah. of, of the culinary world where, yeah, it is a lot of like kind of filling heavy and like fermented and pickled things. Right. So that stuff yeah. can be preserved for as long as possible, including the people. And uh, <laughs> it, like, I, I think that the it's it's been interesting watching kind of the the shift in what is popular food over the past while because you're right that like people i think are getting more and more excited about stuff that is pickled and fermented and like i think we have a lot of asian cuisine to thank for that right because as things like sushi and korean food and like indian food get more and more popular in north america they bring with them this like rich culture of pickles and of of you know things like kimchi and and like totally all of that, you know, exists in these Eastern European cuisines as well in, in various forms. And like, I think, I think that's opening it up for us. For sure. For sure. And it's, you know, now people are starting to see the health benefits to it and all of those things. So yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's, it's really cool and interesting to see all this stuff coming up nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So, you know, in your, in your sort of like philosophy around food, uh, I know you talk about being inspired by the heritage that you come from, but not necessarily defined by it. So can we talk a little bit about like how you bring that attitude to the kitchen? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the, the easiest way to describe that is, you know, when I first opened uh, Amano, which is my Italian um, restaurant, you know, the whole concept was I, I'm doing Italian food, but I live in Canada. So, right. you know, Italian food is defined by really just using what ingredients are around you. You know, like you you go to the market, you pick up some stuff, you make it. That's it is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so why? if I'm cooking Italian food, why would I in Toronto buy a bunch of stuff from all over the world and not utilize what's in Toronto? 
right. uh, or in Canada for that matter. So when we first opened uh, Amano, like I was, you know, maybe a little too far the other way where I was like, you know, we're not going to use olive oil. We're going to use, you know, cold pressed uh, canola oil from, you know, uh, Northern Ontario sure, yeah. and, you know, all of our flour, we're not using double O and we're not using all these things. It's only Canadian flour. And uh, I went a, maybe a little too far the other <laughs> way with that. Um, I think that, you know, you can obviously utilize some products sure. like flowers and things like that. But the overall idea is just to, you know, utilize as many ingredients as we can get um, that are close to us mm-hmm. and use them in the way that, you know, Italian food is meant to be where it's very simple, uh, high quality ingredients uh, and done with care and love. And, you know, it'll, it'll all work out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I think that makes sense. You know, like there's a lot yeah. of, um, so I work in a like sort of like medium high end grocery store that has a lot of like imported European products as kind of our like cool. focus, right? And it's like you know it's a lot of stuff that's local to Quebec as well uh, in terms of like yeah. meat and produce. But then you know we have all of these like fancy imported oils and like you know cheeses and and charcuterie meats and whatnot. And like you know there is the whole thing of like the like protected appellations and like the the status mm-hmm. and designations and whatnot in in European food products that get imported. And like, you know, there is some stuff that like, yeah, you can't get, there's no one in Toronto who's making prosciutto that tastes like prosciutto, right? Like, no, hundred percent like, legally. There's no one in Toronto who can call what they make prosciutto either. Right. It's gotta be like, exactly. you know, Toronto ham or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think that there is for sure that balance between like, yes, we want the best olive oil in the world for this because you can taste that difference. But totally. you know, canned tomatoes that had to be shipped over from Italy, sure they're gonna taste like italian tomatoes but they're not gonna be as good as the fresh ones that you get from like farmer joe down the street of the market right like that's totally produce especially needs to be as local as possible i think yeah and it, and it also goes to like even play, uh, flavor profiles a little bit too right where like you know when we opened we were doing you know a rabbit dish that's very traditional from uh, northern italy mm-hmm. Um, where typically they would use like artichokes and then the sweetness would come from wine. Mm -hmm. Instead, we were doing it with a little bit of maple syrup, Brussels sprouts and beer Okay, and doing it sort of the exact same tradition, but using, you know, those flavors that are a little bit more typical of being in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Like maple syrup and people love Brussels sprouts nowadays. So, uh, which is a weird one that's come around. Yeah, definitely. Went from everybody <laughs> hating them to now it's like, you know, it's 15 bucks for some fried Brussels sprouts now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think wild. people just like, I think it just took us a while collectively to figure out how to cook Brussels sprouts properly. You know? Totally. Like yeah, we're not just like boiling them and leaving them on exactly. the counter for a couple hours yeah. anymore. <laughs> totally. Totally. The little X in the bottom and you boil them for two days and yeah, yeah just gross if the restaurant doesn't smell horrible you're not cooking the Brussels sprouts exactly yeah, yeah. exactly oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's interesting like I, I love the idea of taking you know dishes that are traditional to a place and like finding your way to put a regional spin on them because I think that is I mean one it feels more sustainable right to like cut import costs where you can like not just sustainable for you know financial things but like sustainable for the planet obviously right because we're not 100 paying for the same like gas right 
but yeah, like there, there's also that thing of like, I don't know. And maybe this is, this sounds kind of like some hippie mumbo jumbo or whatever, but I feel like there is a truth to this idea that eating things that come from the land that you are on, it feeds your soul in a way that eating imported products doesn't necessarily. Totally. I completely agree. I think it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, food is nourishment, right? It's nourishment for your body. It's nourishment for the soul. And, you know, having a connection to what you're, you know, having the ability to have the connection to what's being grown, to coming to you, to eating it, you know, it's that full circle, you know, like you said, it's a little maybe hippie for some people, but it's, uh, I think it's the truth, right? Like, you know, my growing up, like that's all we did, right? Like my grandmother's salad was, she just walked out back, cut down some lettuce and that's what we were eating. Right you know but we had to turn the soil we had to plant all the plants we had to you know grow the seeds and like you know there was that connection and that appreciation for the food right Mm -hmm. um whereas i think when you're just going to a grocery store and you're eating you know vine ripened tomatoes in the middle of december when we're (laughs) covered in snow there's not that connection you don't know where it came from you're just like yeah cool i want tomatoes so i'm gonna go buy tomatoes i think we've kind of lost that a little bit um obviously you know there's import there's we've grown as a society with technology and all of these things but um i think we still need to have a connection with food and and that idea of you know that food it doesn't just show up on the grocery store shelves it's grown by people and um, you know, you want to know where things are being grown and what people are putting into your food. And so, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Like you, you want to have that connection because you need the food is not just food, right? Like food also should have a story attached to it, right? The most satisfying meals are a story in themselves. And like, you don't necessarily need the entire life story of every ingredient on the plate. But even if you have no. one or two that you like know pretty confidently came from a specific place and you know like the people from there or you know you know at the very least you know that the guy you bought it from knows the people from there that that creates a kind of communal thing through the food that i don't know that connection just feels really important yeah absolutely and i you know i i preach this often to people but i i think um you know i've traveled a lot and i've worked in um, different uh cuisines throughout my career um, and one thing I've noticed through travel and, and sitting around a dinner table with people was like, you know, you want to learn about a culture and you want to learn about somebody, mm-hmm. sit around a dinner table with them, right? Like the stories and the connection that they have to their food is going to, you know, it's such a great way to get to know somebody. And, you know, it's such an honest and simple way to to discuss a, a culture, a person's history and, you know, memories and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, we are going to hear a little bit more from Chef Michael in a minute, but first we're going to take a quick break and pop over to the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of June, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. I mean, come on. Our guest this week is from Toronto, The Six. 
that 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 alone should be enough motivation for you to leave a rating and review because then you'll be donating six dollars worth of food to people you know like like drake said it's the six feed us with your woes all right that's enough for me let's get back to the show okay welcome back we're here with chef michael angeloni from toronto michael uh in the second part of the show, I like to talk a little bit with my guest about a food that they're currently really, really excited about. It can be a dish or a cuisine or, or a meal entirely, or like one simple ingredient. Uh, so is there something that you're currently feeling really, really enthusiastic about and want to like share with people? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that the thing that I've, something that I've been trying to work on for like 10 years and I finally have got it on a menu and it's on Chef Drops. Um, it's called, uh, pinza, P I N S A. Okay. Not pizza. Um, (laughs) it's essentially it's pizza, but there's a, it's a whole process and it's something that I, I, uh, had when I was in Rome years and years ago. And I always thought it'd be cool to do in Toronto. I don't think there is really anybody, uh, else in the city. I think there's maybe one guy in ottawa i believe that's doing a similar process to what we're doing but so we opened a mono uh in november uh, of last year okay uh and that was where we launched it um so pizza is a it's an ancient roman form of pizza essentially um it's a rectangular dough um the cool parts about it one is the hydration so it's about anywhere between 80 to 85% hydration. Ours is pushing 85. Okay. So one, what that does is creates a really light, airy and crispy dough. Yeah. Also with the amount of hydration um, also helps with digestion. The other part is it's fermented for 72 hours. Um, So it's a really long maturation process of the dough. Cool. Um, Which what that does is breaks down the gluten yeah, so it's like a little more digestible for people who like hundred percent. That's incredible. Yeah, so if you have it in, so I don't want to say like if you're celiac, it, it's a different story. But sure, like yeah. if you if you find like you know you have a slice of bread, or you have a slice of pizza like from you know a chain or something like that, you'll you'll notice that like when you eat it, you have like you know pain in your stomach or such and so forth with this dough you can you'll eat this and you won't even notice it uh it's it's a really cool process and it's something that you know like i said i've been trying to work on for a long time um oh and the other thing sorry is that it's all naturally leavened so it's uh it's it's done with a sourdough exactly so yeah it's a it's a really cool process uh it's always in roman tradition with pizza um, so pizza palla, which is if you've ever been to Rome, you've seen like the trays and they cut them and they weigh the slice and then they put it back in the oven and they give it to you. So Roman style, that's one style of Roman style pizza. And then there's pizza. They're both always baked twice. And then they have what's called an open crumb, which is basically if you cut a cross section of the dough, you'll see air pockets right. throughout the whole thing. Whereas like on a Napolitana style, you only have it on the crust. The middle is sort of like a pancake. The yeah, crust it gets, is it gets kind open. of flattened out a little bit more. Exactly, exactly. So that gives you basically like the whole dough is almost the crust. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives you this really nice crunch. It's really nice and soft and covered in toppings. It's 
yeah, it's for me, it's a really exciting thing and something, like I said, I've been trying to work on for a long time. And when we were going to open the restaurant, I was like, all right, this is my chance. I'm going to put it on the menu. So I started playing around with the dough and, you know, I had a few things going. And then I put out an ad on um, Indeed to find a pizzaioli to come and, you know, I was mainly looking for somebody to just work service. Sure. Uh, and this guy shows up, uh, Francesco, uh, older gentleman, born in Rome. Uh, his daughter works at my favorite pizzeria in Rome. <laughs> he shows up and he says, yeah, what do you want to do here? And I said, I want to make pizza. And he goes and he looks at the dough that I had made and he's just like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and I was like, perfect, you're hired. I was Amazing. like, you're hired. So then he came in and then he told me, you know, the mixer I bought was wrong. So that I'm begging my supplier to take the mixer back. <laughs> and it was a, uh, it was a rough, rough couple weeks. Uh, but then, yeah, he, uh, he helped us develop this dough and get the recipe to where it is now. And, you know, I think it's really something special and, you know, it's it, it essentially in the end of the day, it's, you know, we're doing a margarita prosciutto like pizza, you know, it's, but when you taste the dough and you see all the love and all the effort that goes into it, it it's, I think, pretty cool and pretty interesting and something that not a lot of people have seen before. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. It, it's cool. Yeah. Like we, my partner makes a lot of sourdough and like, cool. you know, we have done like sourdough pizzas before, but uh, I'm going to have to like, we might have to try this next time. Cause I, I really, I mean, I, I've always been a big pizza person. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, totally. Like who, who the fuck isn't right. But like, <laughs> 100%. but you know, like it was one of the first things that I like could do myself, like at home, like make by hand. And then I had a bread maker for a while and got lazy with the dough. And like, I've worked in pizza places i've thrown pizzas in the air and caught them you know i've done the whole shtick yeah, yeah. but this is there's something about this that like maybe it's because it's so maybe it's because it's it's so like directly connected to your hands in a way that like a traditional pizza doesn't feel like the same like, I, I don't even know like yeah. it, it's hard to explain like how i'm feeling about this but there's a visceral excitement that i get from this idea yeah, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of great pizza in the city. Like, you know, like you said, who who doesn't love pizza, right? And, right. and you see, you know, you've got Libretto and, you know, Piano Piano and all these places popping up that are making really amazing pizza. You know, it, it's great. It's it's exciting. I think that was our, our idea was that we wanted to take it and just do something a little different. And yeah, you know, it's it's a labor of love and something that we put a lot of time and effort into. Yeah, it's uh, it, but it, yeah, you gotta taste one, you know, you gotta try it, feel the crunch, and kind of takes you to a different place with when you eat this pizza as opposed to a different one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, that's it because yeah. I was I was looking at a crumb shot of uh, I don't. Sorry for saying crumb shot, but I was looking at a you know a, a cross section of uh, of the dough uh, a minute ago, and like yeah, those those air pockets are huge, right? So I imagine the yeah. it's got to be really crunchy, right? It's got to have a really good crispness to it. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, and you you know, it's available. You can come to the restaurant, try it. We do them, we sell them frozen on uh, Chef Drop, which you can, you know, get them at home and just pop them in the oven. Amazing. Um, but yeah, eating it in the restaurant's a, a special experience. You know, it comes out <laughs> nice and hot and you get the, we have these gold scissors that you cut the slice with. There's nothing like cutting a pizza with scissors, eh? Totally, it's the best. I mean, it's <laughs> it's that, that ode to actually being in Rome, right? That's... 
is that they, how they, they do it in Rome? They've got the scissors yeah. too. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like the especially the like the tray pizza, which is so the Francesco's daughter that works at pizzeria in Rome. It's called Bonchi. It's just next. It's uh, in this area called Prati, which is like close to the uh, Vatican. Okay. Um, and you walk in and the guy that owns the place is, claims that he's made over like 5,000 different toppings of pizzas. <laughs> just crazy. Um, but you basically walk in and there's like 40 trays just laid out of all these pizzas with all these different toppings and all these things. And you walk up and you just, they say, how much do you want and what slice? <laughs> and you say, I want a piece of this, a piece of that, a piece of that. And they take scissors and they cut it and they put it on a scale. They weigh it. And they charge you by weight. Sure. And then, and then they just pop it back in the oven and then they cut it into little cubes with the scissors and you go out and have a beer and crush some slices. It's great. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's smart that they weigh it before they cook it the second time. Cause they, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, when did you like first discover Pinza? Like when, when did you first have this? It would have been 2012-ish. Okay. Uh, I was touring around Italy and uh, we ended up in Rome for an evening and then that was the first time I'd actually been to the the place I was talking about Bonchi, mm-hmm. which is next to the Vatican. Um, and then we were just at a restaurant and they didn't have pizza. They had pizza. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm like, I think there's a misprint here on the menu. But yeah, we had one and I was like, oh, this is super interesting and cool and delicious. And uh, I just found the, the crisp was something like I'd never had before. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I just started researching it and I kind of actually, you know, let it go for years. It was just like, I never felt right for any of the restaurants that we were doing. So, um, you know, now when I had this chance with the, the new Amano, I, you know, brought it all back. So amazing. Yeah. Cool. And, and if people want to check that out, you're, you're in Toronto, but can they, yeah. where, how far is your delivery range? Cause I know you, you said you ship frozen ones, right? Yeah. So with chef drop, it's uh, we're pretty much across uh, all of Southern Ontario. Cool. Uh, we have f- five delivery days a week. Um, you can just go to getchefdrop.com, check it out or uh, at the restaurant, which is at nine church street, just, uh, just below in between front and the Esplanade. Sweet. Well, I know yeah. next time I'm in Toronto, I'm going to have to uh, to pop by and uh, give this a shot. Please do. Yeah, please. <laughs> cool. Well, we are almost out of time for today. Uh, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to you know plug and promote anything you want people to check out, social media pages, websites, obviously, you know, restaurants. Uh, now's yeah. your chance. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll go through the catalog real quick. But sure. uh, I mean, my Instagram chef, uh, Michael Angeloni. Uh, then we've got uh, Union Chicken. Uh, which is uh, Union Station and up in Newmarket. Uh, then we also have Amano Pasta, which is Newmarket and Union Station as well. Uh, then we have Amano Trattoria, that's at Church Street. We have uh, Ray's Food and Liquor, which is in Hamilton. Uh, and then I've got uh, Mikey Smash Burgers, um, which is going to be doing Summer Market, uh, which is just on Front Street directly in front of Union Station for. Uh, July and August, 
and then we're also putting a Mikey smash burger in uh, Newmarket in about a month. Amazing. So yeah, lots going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't even touch on like you, you're doing Southern food, you're doing burgers, you're, you're all over the place. I love it. Yeah, for sure. I've, uh, you know, I used to run a Mexican restaurant, uh, for four years <laughs> prior to doing all of this. So when I do something, I like to immerse myself in it quite a bit. So just on the off chance, the best Mexican restaurant I've ever been to was in Toronto. And it was in like, oh, yeah. uh, maybe like there was like a Christmas market or something. And it was like tucked away in there somewhere. Oh, was it in the distillery? Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, El Catrine. That I sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big, it's a big place, right? Yeah. 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 yeah the, the chefs, uh, I believe from Oaxaca. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, I I've only had drinks, so I've never actually eaten there. Okay, yeah, so I, I, I gotta go check it out. <laughs> I had yeah. like a small amount of food and an absurd amount of alcohol there. It was uh, nice back when I was uh, <laughs> last drinking yeah. heavily. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to do this again sometime. We can talk Mexican food. I love it's one of you know Italians, kind of my thing that I do best. I would say. Sure. I was trained French in like French. Uh, traditional uh, French cuisine mm-hmm. uh, but Mexican was the one that interests me the most and I I love it it's a very very cool uh, interesting cuisine when you dive deep into it and yeah. yeah it's amazing well and I feel like especially like I mean I'm assuming you're still a history nerd even if you decided not to become a history teacher right so it's 100% <laughs> it's, it's one of those cuisines that like the more time you spend looking at it and thinking about it and reading about like where Mexican food comes from, the more you realize oh, yeah. like just how insane history it can be, you know? Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's honestly mind blowing. The first time I went to Oaxaca and I had like traditional Oaxacan black mole, I was like, I was like, well, I don't know what I just did. It was crazy. <laughs> Craziest thing I've ever eaten. Oaxaca mole, yeah. if you will. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, hey, nice. thank you so much cool. for doing this. This was a lot of thank fun. Thank you. And uh, I will it. make sure to include links to everything that you mentioned just now uh, in the description of this episode for ease of access. So uh, amazing. Listeners, if you are in Southern Ontario, the Toronto area, or if you just happen to be passing through Toronto sometime in the next while, definitely check it out. Get your hands on some pizza. Get your hands on some smash burgers. Union Station is like where you end up if you take the train to Toronto, right? Like it's the big station yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So uh, I will have to check that out as well because I think we're going to be popping by sometime this summer. Yeah, please do. Uh, any final words before we uh, wrap things up? No, I think uh, just uh, keep eating good food. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod and individually at TefferBear and at TomZalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gab, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, Killian, Sarah Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, David, and Erica. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, and a new perk that I just added where I will read your fortune using blue cheese this is a new thing that i'm doing it's super fun if that all sounds exciting to you you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to make it happen we also have merch and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at t public and of course you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend our theme music is by zach long fermentation ingles and our cover art is by david high hydration flam you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode as well as links to everything that chef michael wants you to check out 
Last but certainly not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. We'll see you next week. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do because they're crazy and they're wacky and they're hilarious. And they're definitely real people and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday early in the morning.